Hey, so we are uh, in our series still of the House of David. It's been super great. It's uh, a, a sub-series of this bigger endeavor that we've had as a youth group to go through the go through the entire Bible uh, together. And so. Um, if you haven't been with us that long and you're interested on, on, on our teachings on Genesis, Exodus, or you know any of the books, we have it all on podcasts. You can go back and listen. Um, but basically, we have, we've talked all the way from Adam and Eve and creation, and, and, and then we have Noah and Abraham, and then we have his sons, you know, Isaac uh, and Jacob, who later is called Israel, has 12, uh, uh, about 13 sons or so, but 12 of them represent the tribes of um the tribes of uh, Israel, and so then from that we see different things split off, and so we see uh, Moses and the children of Israel uh, leave from there, and then we have Joshua, and then it goes through this whole thing. We get to all the judges, we get to Ruth, we get to David, right? From David we have Solomon, uh, and then we have a character uh, that we're going to talk about today. So from Solomon, uh, there's three generations down from Solomon, and there's a new guy named Jehoshaphat. Which is um, a name that, if I'll pause, if you guys didn't know, Danielle is pregnant, and uh, we're having a baby girl. And but if it was a boy, Jehoshaphat was at the top of the list for names. Okay, um, uh, and so uh, the, Jehoshaphat is a like a great great grandson of Solomon who is the son of David. Does that make sense, everybody? So this is a really important message because it's literally from the lineage in the house of David. Last week, we talked about Elijah and about prayer. This week, we're going to talk about Jehoshaphat and worship. And so we just got done worshiping. We're going to take some time at the end to worship again, uh, but it's going to be really good. Okay, but let me fill the gap from last week to this week, okay? So if you were here last week, Elijah said, what's up, players, to the uh, prophets of Baal? And he said, if your God's real, he'll send fire. If my God's real, he'll send fire. And we know what happened from there. And uh, I, I didn't mention this other part, but Elijah then chased down the 450 prophets of Baal and killed them all. Anyways, and then, uh, so... Uh, then we're, we're moving on from there, okay? So after this, Elijah um, hears from God. This is a really interesting thing. I'm not going to spend a ton of time. Thank you. I almost forgot that. We'll do that um, at the end. Daniel, don't let me forget. At the end, we're going to do that. We'll pass that sign-up sheet around. <clears throat> this is a very interesting thing, though. So Elijah goes up on the mountain. And it's kind of reminiscent of when Moses heard from God. Elijah hears from God, and what happens is he says, speak to me, and uh, things happen. There's an earthquake, there's fire, there's all these different things. But it's very interesting. The Bible is very specific that the voice of God was in none of those things, except for at the very end, the voice of God was in this gentle wind. It's a really gentle breeze. Sometimes God speaks to us in a really gentle voice. Sometimes God speaks to us speaks to us in a, in, a, in a gentle nudge, in a still, small voice. But we have to have our ears open to hear it. Does that make sense, everybody? Um, so that's where we're at there. Um, and then after that, Elijah calls, uh, God calls Elijah to go and grab this guy named Elisha. So there's Elijah, J, and then there's an Elisha. Confusing, I know. Uh, but 
that's where it happens. And Elisha leaves his family and kisses his mom and dad and sacrifices some ox to the Lord. And then he's, he's on the journey, right? Um, then what we have is King Ahab. Remember King Ahab was the one who was worshiping Baal and his wife uh, Jezebel, right? Uh, she's scary. Um, in between this too, Jezebel really wanted to kill Elijah. Uh, she was chasing him, trying to kill him. So uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat link up. So Ahab is the king of Israel, which is the northern kingdom um, of what we would know as Israel. And Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom, which is what David was king of first before he was king of all of Israel. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay. So first, uh, first and second kings was really more so about the northern kingdom, and first and second chronicles are going to be about uh, the southern kingdom. So here we are. They fight together. King Ahab dies. Boo-hoo. Stinks, right? Now we're in this story of Jehoshaphat. You guys, are you with me? Do you know where we're at? Okay, here's where we're at in the story. So, <clears throat> the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was a righteous man, that he, he, he walked in the ways of his father, right? He did the right things. Raise your hand in, in this room if you think that you do the right stuff. Anybody, is anybody a good person in here? Raise your hand if you think you're a good person. Anybody? You guys are all terrible people? Okay. <clears throat> well, maybe you're all just biblical. You're like, I'm a wretched sinner, you know? <laughs> Anyways. Um, but Jehoshaphat was a righteous man. Uh, he was a good king. And so what happens is there's this, this place called Moab. Everybody say Moab. The Bible has some cool names in it. Moab invades Judah. They're coming in for a fight. And there's a couple other kingdoms that are joining and Jehoshaphat looks out, and he sees the armies coming at him. I think of, there's this movie, Troy, and they're sitting on, like, the, the, the beach, and there's just, like, all of Greece is coming in. It's, like, a similar scene. So Jehoshaphat looks out, and there's so many people coming at him. He thinks to himself, there's no way we can win this battle. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a place in your life where you're like, there's no way I can overcome this. There's no way I can make it through this. There's no way. There's no way. So this is where Jehoshaphat is at, just like where the rest of us have been at some point in our life, where we're looking at God, and this is when people who even don't believe in God believe in God <laughs> for a moment. People who even don't believe in God, when, when, when things go wrong, they're like, well, Maybe if there is a God, I should probably let him know about this, you know. <clears throat> so Jehoshaphat looks to God and is like, hey, there's no way we could do this. We can only do it with you, right? And so what he does is, <clears throat> which is really interesting, he has the whole nation of Judah fast. The whole nation. <clears throat> so I've had this cough if I get into a coughing attack. This week, <clears throat> my fault. But he has the whole nation fast. Fasting is like refraining from eating just so that, so that you can spend more time with the Lord and, and tell your, your flesh no. And all. Anyways, whatever. But it's such a good practice. Um, so they're fasting. They're, they're, they're not indulging themselves in pleasures anymore. What they're doing is putting their f full focus on God. God, would you help us? In this moment, because we're overwhelmed, right? 
like everyone in this room, we've all been overwhelmed at some point. And so this message tonight is a message that's called Worship is Warfare. And here's why it's called Worship is Warfare. Because sometimes we sing songs, um, sometimes we, 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 we join the worship team and we, and, and we act as if it's like a little mini Christian concert or it's like our friends are doing Christian karaoke and we're cheering them on. But what, 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 what worship is, the moments that we have here really is warfare. And you're like, Brett, you're crazy. Worship isn't warfare. Worship is singing songs. But we're going to show in this story why worship is warfare and what, why it's so important, why we take worship so seriously here at Echo and here at uh, South Coast. Christian is because worship is warfare. So anyways, we will, let me read some scripture here. The first uh, uh, verse I want to read is, and now we're in 2 Chronicles. We're in 1 and 2 Kings. Now we're in, we skip 1 Chronicles because it just tells you about everybody who lived. Now we're in 2 Chronicles. We're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 13. It says, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. All of Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. Remember last week we talked about what if we actually prayed dangerous prayers that if they came true, everything would change. If we prayed prayers like that, Maybe our school, maybe our homes, maybe our community looks something like this, where all of Judah, Judah is a country, the whole entire country is standing before God with their children, their wives, and their infants. Can you imagine thousands and thousands of people with their whole family standing before the Lord saying, Lord, only you can do what needs to be done. How powerful of a moment is that, right? Moving on to the next scripture. Uh, Yes, and he said, this is verse 15. Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus say the Lord to you. So he's saying this is what God's saying. God says, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude For the battle is not yours, but God's. This is an interesting thing for us to get get in our heads sometimes. Sometimes we look at life and we're overwhelmed at life. We're overwhelmed with what's ahead of us. We're overwhelmed with what what, what we think is is coming at us. And an important thing to remember is sometimes the the, the battles that we can fight ourselves are battles that we got ourselves into, right? Things that we, we made bad choices, we're in a certain situation, and so now we're in this battle. But the battles that seem like so above us, it's like this almost spiritual warfare, those battles that are we're so overwhelmed by, the thing to remember that is that it's not our battle, but it's God's. Now, it doesn't mean we do nothing. There's, there's always a, a, some sort of participation. It reminds me of, remember, the, the walls of Jericho? Anybody remember that story? Joshua and the walls of Jericho, what did they do? They did something silly. They screamed. They yelled. They shouted at the walls. Can you imagine now? Like, you, Ukraine just goes up to the border of Russia... It'd be on the news, we'd be like, these people have lost their minds. Right? 
But it makes more sense when we realize that it's God's battle, not ours. The thing that we have to do is simply obey and submit to the Lord. Um, let's go to the next scripture that I have up here. This is verses 17 through 19. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. God says, you don't need to fight this battle. Okay. So, let's put this in our scenario, right? Maybe we're having a hard time at school, we're getting bullied. Maybe mom and dad are fighting, we're worried they're going to get a divorce. Maybe our, our parents don't have any money, we're, we're, we're wondering if we're going to lose the house. Maybe it's our relationship with our sister or brother is, is severed. Maybe it's, uh, I, I don't feel like myself anymore. Maybe there's this inner turmoil. Maybe I'm, 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 cont I'm contemplating uh, uh, hurting myself because uh, I'm depressed. Or maybe I'm anxious or maybe fill in the blank. The, the things that go through our heads as young people, uh, sometimes a, a small issue can be magnified because it means a big deal to us, Right? And so what we do oftentimes is, what do I have to do to fix this? And sometimes we realize we're in over our heads, and the reason people will do irrational things, like hurt themselves or other things, is because they think there's nothing else I could do in this situation. I don't have any control over this, and, and, and it's, I'm tired of my thoughts hurting me, so I'm going to take control and, and do it myself. Right? We're getting real here today. Things are going wrong, and I have no control. What do I do? And the interesting thing is we get to this place of, of, of um, hopelessness because we think the battle is ours. And we know we're going to lose. So we look at life, we look at our depression, we look at our anxiety, we look at the, our parents fighting, we look at the issues in our home, we look at our, our bad grades or our bully at school, and we think there's nothing I can do, and so it's pointless Life is out to get me, right? It's like the series I did on, on anxiety where it's like the, the sky is falling like Chicken Little and it's falling disproportionately on me, right? We look at these things and we're like, there's nothing I can do. And then we look at God and we say, God, you have to do something. This is the moment where everything changes for us. When it goes from, I can't do anything, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm just, I, I can't live this life anymore. Some people stay there, and some people stay there forever, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Try not to get too crazy today. Some people stay there where this life is too hard and there's nothing else. But what happens is everything changes if we then go to the next step, and, next step and say, okay, not in my strength, not in my might, but in your might, Lord, you could do it. So, Lord, do what you got to do. And you know what the Lord says? The Lord says, you don't have to fight this battle. Whoa. Can you imagine if you're staring your, 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 your biggest issue in the face? 
the bully at school, the, the depression, the anxiety, the stress, the, the ADHD, I don't know, whatever we got going on, the parents fighting, the, the money's tight at the house, the, a loved one is sick, and we stare that thing in the face, and God looks at us and says, you don't have to fight this battle. Whoa. So then what do I do? Because God doesn't want us to just be passive and do nothing. There has to be something that I do, right? So what is it? What is it that God is calling me to do? And we see here at the end of this scripture that Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants fell down for the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Maybe it's worship. Let's go to the next scripture. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. As they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. So they were routed. This is the craziest story, one of the craziest stories I've ever heard in my life. Think about this. This was a movie. If this was a movie, it would fall flat on its face because there's nothing exciting (laughs) in this story. It's just crazy. Think about it. There's a king named Jehoshaphat. He's supposed to be a warrior. His great-great-great-grandfather is David, the, the giant slayer. And God tells Jehoshaphat, you don't have to fight this battle. Also remember, generations ago, there was a crazy dude named Gideon who fought 300 versus like 10,000. So then Jehoshaphat's thinking, what's my legacy then? Right? We've been there. It's like, well, my parents did this. My older brother, older sister did this. And God's calling me to do what? What's my legacy then? It's not exciting. I didn't slay any giants. I'm not fighting 300 versus 10,000. What's my legacy then? Jehoshaphat's legacy is worship. What happens here, it's the craziest thing, is they have three different countries coming at them to fight them, to kill them. And what do they do? Let's praise the Lord. Let's sing. And so they lift up their hands and they start worshiping. I don't know what song they sang, you know. Probably not one that we sing. Maybe. Peace, peace, still. You know, I don't know. Anyway, they start singing. And while they're singing, they're like looking out like, you know. Don't hurt me. And while they're singing, the, the, the armies that are supposed to come and kill them are start fighting each other. And when it gets down to, the Bible says when it gets down to the last army, they start fighting each other. <laughs> it's like a civil war, and then, and then they're all dead. And all they did was what? Worship. All they did was worship. <clears throat> so, I have three things that worship needs to become in our lives. 
to really make a difference. And last week we talked about prayer. Prayer is so important, guys. We gotta pray. We gotta we gotta be a youth group that prays and prays and prays. Last week was a special moment. Uh, we're sitting on the ground praying and all that kind of stuff. It's so good. But I don't want to forget about worship, probably because I'm the worship leader here at the church. But I don't want to forget about worship because we, us singing songs is not just singing songs so that we can be happy, so we can feel good. So we can, Worship is warfare, okay? But the other two things is this. Worship, number one, has to be our default. Worship has to be our default. It's like if you play Fortnite, it's got to be your default skin, okay? Worship has to be our default. What does that mean? Worship has to be the every moment for me. It has to be where I live my life from, not, where I, what, not what I live my life for. Does that make sense? I'm not, I'm not going to worship to feel a certain way. I worship so, uh, I, I worship, and because of my worship, my, my, my whole life changes. I don't worship because I feel good, and I'm, okay, I'm going to lift my hands today because today's a good day. God's been good. I worship even if God seemingly hasn't been good to me, even though he has. Right? I worship if I feel good. I worship if I feel bad. Worship is the default setting. Worship is where I live my life from. Right? Paul in his, in his letter to the, to the Thessalonians says to, to, to pray without ceasing. So we're in this posture of worship at all times. Praying without ceasing, that makes no sense. So I walk around like... No, that'd be weird. Not that God's not into weird things sometimes, but praying without ceasing is simply being present with God at all times and worshiping, having a heart of worship at all times. Worship has to be our default. Our lives, our lives have to be, our lives should be an act of worship. Our whole life should be an act of worship. Amen? So worship has to be our default. Number two, worship has to be our response. But it's both. It's not just the response. And it's not just the default. It's both. So I live my life from a place of worship, but also when things go wrong, it's okay to then respond with what? Worship. And it's so much easier to respond with worship if worship is what we've already been doing. And Jehoshaphat living in the house of David and Solomon, his family's default setting was worship. His great-great-grandfather built the temple. So it, it, we could pass this down from generation to generation to our kids as a default setting of worship. Worship has to be our response. When things go wrong, we worship. Are you anxious? Are you overwhelmed? Are you scared? Worship. This is the response. This is the lifeline. The last thing, worship as our warfare. Worship is warfare. So worship is our default setting. Worship is our response. And worship is our Warfare. And the band, you guys can make your way back up. We're going to sing one more song at the end. But worship is our warfare. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities, right? This reminds me of Joshua 5. Do you guys remember the story from Joshua 5? It's this, it's this story where the, remember the, 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 the warrior had the sword drawn and is talking to Joshua? Do you guys remember that? It's this very interesting story. The, the, this warrior... This angel of the Lord, right? Joshua asked the angel, are you for us or against us? And the angel of the Lord, which we later found out is God, says, neither. Can you imagine that? 
you're like, are you for me or against me? And they say, no. Neither. Neither one. What does that mean? That means, just as this scripture says, that the war is not our own. It's not a battle I'm picking. It's not a battle I'm fighting. It's a battle that's for God. It's like David and Goliath. It wasn't Goliath against David. It was Goliath against God. So then David fought alongside God against Goliath. And so for us, we look at Goliath. We look at these things in our life. We look at the, the, the many things coming against us. And it's not us versus that. It's us with God versus that because the battle is not flesh and blood. The battle is against that. And it's God's battle, not ours. And so what do we do? We don't, I don't have the strength to fight. I don't have the strength to go and, and fight all this stuff on my own. I don't have the strength, right? We have a little boy, now we're having a little girl. I don't have the strength for that. When Danielle passed the phone to me to say we were having a little girl, I almost passed out. I'm terrified. I'm overwhelmed by it. Can I be real? In this current world where nobody even knows up from down and left from right and right from wrong, I'm terrified to raise a little girl in this world. But it's not my battle. It's not my fight. So, what is my response? My response is not to toughen up. I'm gonna set this, I'm gonna set this straight. I'm gonna be the best dad I can. It's like it's my job for her to get to where she needs to go. No, it's not my job. What I'm gonna do then now, because it's not my fight and it's God, is I'm gonna get on my knees. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna worship because God, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I can't. So, it's yours. And the cool thing is, is as I'm worshiping and as I'm singing and as I'm praying, I'm going to look up and see the battle being won because it's God's fight, not mine. But I still have to worship. God requires little of us, but he requires it of us. (laughs) We don't have to do this crazy thing and slay all these dreads. But God requires something very small. It's just dedication and worship to him. But if we do it, we'll see a big change. Worship isn't just singing a song. It's spiritual warfare. It's remembering whose battle it really is. Worship has the power to break strongholds in our life. Worship has the power to set us free. Worship has the power to put our focus not on our problems and that's that's what that's the the issue that we have if I could be real um, this generation has been taught that everything is about you you guys have been taught and I even was taught when I was a kid that the earth revolves around me do whatever makes you happy do whatever makes you feel good go with what your gut says go fill in the blank it's like do what makes you happy it's all about you if it makes you happy please do it if you does that make that's what the world tells us is like it's all about our feelings and all about us and all about all, 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 all these different things but then what happens is, is we don't realize then that actually when we take our focus off of ourselves life is better the reason we're the reason that you guys are a part of the most depressed and anxious generation of all time is because you're the generation that's focused so much on themselves and it's not even your fault. It's what you were told to do. Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to be important? 
How am I going to fill in the blank, right? It's all focused on us. And the thing is, the Bible says it, we always come up short. And if our focus is only on ourselves, every time we come up short, it gets us depressed. I just can't get it right. I just keep messing up. Turns out I'm not perfect. And I've gotten into those moments where I'm like messing up and I can't do anything right and Danielle's mad at me and throwing pots at me from across the room. I'm just kidding. She didn't do that. But But then I look in the mirror. I'm like, I'm not the man I want to be. I keep messing up, man. I'm just frustrated. Anybody ever been there? You're just frustrated. You look at yourself. You're like, I'm not who I want to be right now. I just keep messing up. The focus is all on us. But when we realize, oh, it's not my battle. It's not my fight. It's God's fight. And I turn my eyes and I look towards God. God, it's about you. Then the weight falls off. I don't have to be anybody but who he says he is, who he says I am. And who he says I am is a child of God. Wow. So we're going to stand up, if you will, with me. And we're going to worship again, the song that we've already sung. So hopefully if you're new, you know it or whatever by now, and you can sing along. And we're just going to sing. And if you want to get on your knees, you can. If you want to sit down and worship, you can. If you want to stand up and worship, you can. If you want to crowd the front or whatever, I don't care. But here's the thing. Worship in a way that you're handing over the things that are bugging you the most. The things that, are, that, that just seem to be fighting you, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's your mind. Maybe it's your desire. Maybe you're like, man, I just can't stop falling into this temptation, or I can't stop doing this, or I can't, whatever it is, or, or, or my family is not in a good place, or my mental health is not in a good place, or my heart's not in a good place, fill in the blank. And as we worship right now, we're going to set those things at the feet of Jesus, and we're going to realize that it's not our battle, God, it's your battle, and so all I can do now is praise. All I can do now is worship. And as I worship and as I praise, I open my eyes again, and all of a sudden those things are breaking off in my life. So I'm going to pray us in. We're going to worship, and I won't play guitar for this one. I'm just going to sit with you guys and, or stand with you guys or whatever, and I'm going to worship with you. Because I want to lay all my worries at his feet too. Amen? So Jesus, as we worship you tonight, God, would you do what you always do? And would you take our burdens upon you? Would you let us take up your yoke because it's easy, your burden... His light. God, help us to walk with you, knowing that it's your battle and not ours. And our obedience in this moment, God, is simply to worship. It's not even to stand up, rise up, and fight and do all this. There's times and places for that. But tonight, God, you're calling us to just worship. You're calling us to just pray, just to spend time with you. And so, God, the things that we're staring in the face, God, maybe it's family problems, it's mental health issues, God, it's us falling into temptation over and over and over again, God, maybe it's uh, self-worth issues, God, maybe it's whatever it is, God, we lay it at your feet tonight and say that it's your battle, not ours, Lord. And so our response is not to fight it. Our response is not to try and be strong enough. Our response is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knowing that you can do all things. You can work it for our good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.